Well, that's exactly right. Here in Kentucky, this 2018 legislative session has pretty much been deemed the sewage session because of those underhanded tactics by the Republican majority to uh, tack on the so-called pension reform bill onto a sewage bill. And also um, with the uh, issues that were in the budget, the biennium budget that was passed this year as well. So when teachers earlier uh, in 2017 began to get word that uh, there may be a special session in 2017 related to the pension bill, they began to um, become mobilized and then that didn't happen. But the legislative session began in January 2018 and uh, as they began to hear that there probably would be a pension bill uh, this session, they began to organize, and they organized uh, this 120-county strategy because we have 120 counties in Kentucky where every single county had um, educators and, and other public employees who were organized to take action on this pension bill. Tell us about the protests outside and indeed inside the state capitol building that emerged in early April in Frankfurt and what it was like to see thousands of teachers demanding not only the preservation of their retirement schemes but also more funding for public schools. It must have been an exciting moment for teachers and indeed for the state. I mean, it was exciting for the entire Commonwealth of Kentucky to see thousands of teachers and uh, have teachers from every single county call uh, in uh, to work and have a, a shutdown of every single school system in uh, Kentucky. Uh, if they weren't already uh, on spring break, they were uh, shut down for that day. And to have educators who came to the state capitol in droves, in buses, and carpooled, and, and their students showed up, and their family members and friends, to make it clear to the Republican majority and the governor that they will not uh, stand for uh, cuts to their pension and that they were going to stand up and speak up for themselves. That was powerful. It was power in action. And it sent a clear message and ripple across the state um, that we felt this past Tuesday during the primary election. What's happened in Kentucky is part of a wave of teacher strikes in so-called red states, interestingly enough, states that historically vote for the Republican Party. It began with a nine-day strike that won a 5% pay rise for teachers in West Virginia and then spread to Oklahoma, Arizona and your own state of Kentucky. Much of the initiative for these strikes came from teachers themselves, not union leaders. To what do you attribute this wave of anger and militancy by teachers? Part of it, you know, comes from the fact that the teachers are the folks who touch all of us. And so teachers are highly respected and regarded across Kentucky. And so they had the community support behind them. They had the momentum of people across counties and cities in Kentucky. So powered by that energy, powered by that momentum, powered by um, their own uh, self-interest in their pensions, and also powered by the fact that they care deeply about the students that they educate. Teachers were very clear that they had a strategy um, for victory, and they used that strategy, and um, they were able to, to use um, the means that they had at their disposal that were outside of uh, the institution of labor unions, but they also, of course, had strong uh, union support. You're a former executive director of Kentucky Jobs with Justice, so you have a background in the union movement, in the labour movement. From your own experience, what's your view of the historical value, if you like, of this teachers' movement? Would you say it's unprecedented? It certainly seems like an unusual 
level of militancy. So not something we're used to over here in Australia in terms of watching labour movement activity because it's been a long period of decline for the labour movement in the United States as it, indeed it is over here. So from a historical perspective and from your own background as a union organiser, how do you see the significance of this movement? Well, the significance of this movement in uh, what started out as a moment is that it's been decades since we've really seen this kind of uprising from educators in Kentucky, but it's it's fueled by the hate that the governor has shown toward teachers and, and his language demeaning uh, public educators and public school systems, and it's fueled by even what we are seeing at the national level um, with the education secretary at the national level and her attacks on public education. And so all of this has fueled this movement uh, where teachers have been able to uh, organize and uh, shut down um, schools across Kentucky and take over the state capitol with a strong message of solidarity and support for one another. That's power, and that's power that we have not seen in this state in quite some time. One of the flow-on effects from the teachers' movement has been an effort by teachers, particularly female teachers, to stand for office in the November state elections. You've been involved in those efforts in conjunction with a group called Emerge Kentucky. Tell us a bit about that and why it's so important educators' voices are heard in the state legislature. It's vitally important for us to have educators' voices heard in the state legislature. I serve on the House Education Committee, and I know what it's like to serve on that committee and have people serving who either have no clue about what it means to be in a classroom today or even send your children to a classroom today. And so because of their disconnection, because of their ignorance, they have for the past two years been passing legislation um, that actually hurts public education, that makes it even more difficult for public school teachers to do their jobs. But that's all by design. It's designed to allow for the shutdown of the largest school system in Kentucky here in Jefferson County and to pave the way for privately run and operated charter schools. And so um, this wave that we're seeing of educators running for office, and and we're talking about more than 40 educators who are running for office, uh, it's clear that they uh, know that they have to have a voice and they have to have um, positions in uh, seats of power in government in order to save off some of these attacks and to get good legislation passed. Attica Scott, I'd like to read a quote from Mark Lewis, an African-American documentary filmmaker who took part in and live-streamed the 110-mile Teachers' March from Tulsa to Oklahoma City. He told The Guardian newspaper that, before March, he had not really been involved in union struggles, focusing most of his work on police brutality. This opened a window of opportunity for people in the marginalised community to understand in a concrete way what teachers have gone through but also to see that teachers working in marginalised communities among African Americans and Hispanics or communities that are poor white need help, said Lewis. There is still a huge disconnect, but I'm hoping that the march from Tulsa to Oklahoma City does not go down in vain. It just opens up the doors for future dialogue. Your comments on Lewis's perspective and what it means for movements of solidarity emerging in the United States. I have to say from our experience here in Kentucky in 2018 that I began to see this legislative session more and more teachers paying attention to legislation that was hurting their students and the families of their students, whether it was the so-called gang violence 
um, prevention bill or bills to attack women's rights, I noticed more and more teachers stepping up and raising their voices and taking action on those bills as well. And part of that is because um, with this pension and, and with the budget, they were paying closer attention to what was happening in Frankfurt and seeing that there were other issues that were important as well and that they um, didn't have to be singularly focused, that they could be intersectional, that they could you know, stand up for and use their power and their voice for people who are uh, most often marginalized, oppressed, and left behind. And so for me, that was huge. That was significant. And I am confident that that will continue to happen across the country, across the United States, that more and more teachers will make those connections to the larger issues that their students um, and the families that they uh, serve are facing, whether it's you know issues related to poverty and um, lack of employment opportunities and low wages, um, to community safety and gun violence. I mean, teachers are going to be stepping up more and more on those issues, uh, and of that I have no doubt.